Well, have you ever been on a website or, or received a message from someone uh, where there's either a word or two that by clicking on that, or maybe an image, by clicking on that, it would magically take you to another place. That other place could be a page uh, on the internet somewhere, or maybe something you could download, something like that. If it was a word or two, it'd probably be changed, the color would be changed a little bit to this nice, pretty blue color, right? And, uh, and then when you hold your mouse over it, it changes to a little finger, a pointer finger, right? That is what the world calls a hyperlink, a hyperlink. And uh, possibly you're reading an article. Uh, maybe you are wanting to go more in depth in the article. And you want to go somewhere deeper and the author wants you to see more, right? And so that's what happens is that hyperlink takes you to that other place, all right? So that's where our title comes from, the hyperlinks to Jesus. And although they didn't use the word in the Bible, a hyperlink, it's actually in there quite a bit, actually. The author or a person is speaking of something and they want you to look back. They want you to look somewhere else so that you can get more in-depth, more knowledge. It's kind of like a footnote or a bibliography, something like that. And we see this often in the New Testament. So the New Testament writer is writing, and then he wants you to see something back in the Old Testament. This next series that uh, we have is called Hyperlinks to Jesus, okay? And uh, we're going to be looking at Jesus in the New Testament, but also those places in the Old Testament that refer to him. Specifically, we're going to do a lot of focus on the birth narratives as well. But interestingly enough, Jesus himself uses the hyperlink thing quite often. Maybe you didn't think about that. So I just want to look at one of those places where Jesus uses the hyperlink, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning. One of those places is near the end of time, of Jesus' time on the earth. And in fact, this summer we talked about this, the road to Emmaus, uh, when he was with these guys. And so there were two followers of Jesus. They're walking away from Jerusalem. And they're on their way to this village called Emmaus. While they're walking, they begin to discuss all the things that had been going on in Jerusalem. Uh, they talked about Jesus. They talked about his death, his crucifixion. They talked about the rumors and what does this mean that he rose from the dead? Some of our people saw him uh, rise from the dead or, or after he's rose from the dead. What does that all mean? And then somehow, somewhere along the way, Jesus is mystically joined. Uh, he joins them and, and, and begins to talk with them. And at first they didn't recognize him, okay? So they're not sure who it is. So try to imagine the scene. I'll give you a picture so you can kind of imagine the scene. They're talking about Jesus. Jesus is there talking with him about himself, and they don't recognize him. And then suddenly he joins their conversation. And finally, as if Jesus had pretty much like had enough. He's kind of it seems like he's a little fed up with them. And in verse 25 of Luke 24, this is what he says to them. He says, O foolish ones. Let me get that up there. O foolish ones. In, in fact, think about that for a second. When Jesus starts the conversation with you by saying, O foolish ones. That's not a good sign, is it? Right? He, starts, he starts out by calling you foolish. O foolish ones, and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. I want to stop right there. I want you to see our hyperlink. Our hyperlink is the prophets. 
That's Jesus referring back to the Old Testament, the prophets, right? There's a hyperlink there. Let's keep going. Was it not necessary that the Christ, can you guys advance it for me? It's not always working. There we go. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them all in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. That's an interesting hyperlink that Jesus gives them. So in this conversation on the road to Emmaus, Jesus provides a link for these two people so they can have more in-depth knowledge about him. So they can begin to understand God's bigger plan and how he, Jesus, fits. And the question that I kind of want to ask Jesus, and maybe I want to ask some of the other New Testament writers like Paul, said, why? Why do you think that's important? Why, why do you want to provide these links back to the Old Testament? I mean, can't we just stay here in the New Testament? Isn't this good enough? Why do we have to go backwards? And so if you're scratching your head like, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a decent question, why is that? Let me give your old noggin a little bit of a rest, and let me tell you a couple of reasons why. There's actually several, but I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why. The first one is that the Old Testament clearly paints a picture of our status, our position as humans before the Almighty God. And it's a place of need that we each have. We all are separated from God, and we need help. We need to be saved. So we see that in the Old Testament. Secondly, is if we don't understand God's plan to save us from this separation, from this dilemma, to bring us into a different place of relationship with him, if we don't understand that, we aren't able to fully understand Jesus. I'm going to say that again. If we don't see and understand God's plan to save us from that dilemma, to bring us back together, we aren't able to fully understand Jesus. Maybe let me put it more succinctly. We need to see the big picture and how Jesus fits in. We need to see the big picture and how Jesus fits in. So I want to take a look at this big picture. And then we're going to get back to these guys on Emmaus and kind of wrap up with those guys. I want to take a look at the big picture a bit. If we hyperlink back to the Old Testament book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, we see why Jesus came to earth in the first place and how he fits. In Genesis 3, we see that mankind, humankind, chose to rebel against God, thinking that they too could be just like God. In essence, this rebellion creates a gap between us and God and all of humanity. It creates this gap. And throughout the Old Testament, God is reaching out, providing ways in which, in which he could restore that gap, that, that gap in the middle. And he's, he's doing so so that he and humanity, he and his creation can be back together again. But every time he reached out, it was short-lived. Finally, God began to speak through some prophets. He began to tell these prophets to tell people that he is going to send a Savior. Be looking for a Messiah. Be looking for someone to save. I'm going to restore you, and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to restore you. And so these men, they began to speak. They began to tell people. They began to say things to people, right? So let's go back to those two guys on the road to Emmaus. They were probably decent Jewish people. Uh, they had uh, 
some familiarity with uh, the Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew Scriptures. So why is it that they missed this? I mean, how did they and all the other people of their time miss this? How did the religious leaders of their day not know about these hyperlinks to Jesus? Why didn't they put two and two together? Well, to their credit, they did know, they were clear that a Messiah, that a Savior was going to come, that God was going to restore them, that that gap that I showed you a minute ago, that God was going to close that gap. That much they knew. They had their hopes actually set on the appearance of Messiah. But they were looking at it all wrong. God's plan to restore humankind was misunderstood, grossly misunderstood. They thought God's going to kick out the Romans, that they're going to set up their own new kingdom, the Jewish kingdom, the Israeli kingdom. They would have a king. They'd be free from the tyranny of other people. They would have respect in their community. So when Jesus appears on the scene, And he begins to to talk about God's kingdom. Think about it. They're they're just not on the same page. He's over here talking about God's kingdom. And they're over here thinking, oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's this monarchy. And he clearly points out, no, no, it's different. But they could not hear it. They could not receive it because they were looking in the wrong direction. They had their minds on God's kingdom and what it would look like in their minds. And Jesus himself, he tries, to, he tries to help them get it right. But, you know, if you're like me and if we're like them, once someone makes up their mind about something like this, it's hard to change their mind. One time he sat on a hill, sat on a hill on a mountainside and explained to all of them who were with him uh, what the kingdom was like. We call that the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And he painstakingly paints this picture of, of God's kingdom to anybody who would listen. And for all who would listen, but they just didn't get it. Because their minds were made up that this is what it would look like. And all alone they were thinking this kingdom was about being large and in charge. That might makes right. That's what they thought. And they thought if we can just obey the rules and if we can do the right things, then God would reward them. And he would tell them, sitting on the mountainside, no, 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 no. You don't get it. You don't get it, do you? And those two guys on the road to Emmaus, they didn't get it either. They could not comprehend that Messiah would suffer and die. That Messiah would give his life in order for the final rescue, the final solution from God, that Jesus would solve that final problem. They didn't see how he fit in. It just didn't make sense to him. And so Jesus, it says in the passage in Luke, that he, he brings out this list of hyperlinks. He shows these two all the links that Moses and the prophets spoke about, right? And we don't know what he said, but I'm just guessing. Maybe he told them how Isaiah details his glorious birth, or, or how Isaiah says that there will, become, there will come a redeemer from Zion. Or maybe how Jeremiah says he will be acquainted with sorrows. Or how Joel describes him as the hope of his people. Or how Amos tells him that Jesus tells him that Jesus is going to be the judge of all the nations. Or Obadiah warning about the eternal kingdom to come. How Jonah offers this picture of someone being in the belly of the well three days and rises and comes back and preaches repentance. How that's the picture of Jesus. Zephaniah, how the king will be over Israel. It's Jesus. 
How Zechariah is a prophet who speaks of Jesus actually riding in on a colt. And how Malachi calls him the son of righteousness. I, I suspect he told them some of those things. Maybe, we don't know, we don't know what he said, but maybe he reminded them of one of the times that he healed on the Sabbath. And the religious leaders criticized him for doing that. They shook their fingers at him. We see this in John 5, chapter, 39, chapter 5, verse 39. Jesus tells the religious leaders, he says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. In other words... In other words, I, Jesus, I'm in the scriptures that you read. I'm right back here, right here, but you can't see me. You can't see me because if you were really good at looking, you would see me there, and you're just, you've got your mind made up at something else. The entire Old Testament points to Jesus as Savior, and if we miss that, like they missed it, we miss seeing Jesus and the, as the fulfillment of it all. We miss seeing that Jesus is the bridge that brings us back to God, that he fills the gap. And so these next several weeks, leading all the way up and through Advent, we're going to look at those hyperlinks. We're going to see how Jesus fills the gap. We're going to see how he's the bridge. And seeing Jesus in the Old Testament is so important. We need to see the big picture and how Jesus fits in. And so I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray much like Jesus talked with those guys and probably prayed with those guys on the road to Emmaus, much like he opened up the mind of his disciples we see just later on in Luke 24. I want to pray for us. That God will open up our minds to see Jesus and the, as the fulfillment of it all. To see Jesus as the Savior, as the gap filler, as we go through this series of hyperlinks to Jesus. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, it's such an important series that we're in. Important because we need to see the big picture. We need to see Jesus, and we need to open up our minds and our hearts to who he is. And I know, Father, that uh, many of us get this. Many of us understand that Jesus is Messiah. But maybe we don't understand the big picture. We never quite understood how he fits and how the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament fits. So help us open up our minds. And maybe there's some areas, Father, where we just don't understand. Will you give us understanding? Will you give us a clear vision of how your plan is and how we fit? And then finally, God, as we understand, help us to bless others with this information. Not only in how we live our lives, but the things that we say. Help us to be a blessing to others. And so, Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, I pray and lift up these things. Amen.